Hey feminist friends and welcome to Real Feminism, the podcast where we discuss films from an intersectional feminist perspective. I'm your host Jo and today I'm joined by my co-hosts Aman and Gina. Hi! Hi. So a little admin and housekeeping for everyone. Um, I know um, back in February when we last had an episode out we said we were going to be reviewing Clueless but we've pushed that back to November so that we can do a spooky season movie for you guys. It has been a while since we've done a podcast episode. We went on a hiatus because Lee and I moved in together and we both started new jobs and were very stressed. And it's been several months and we're still quite stressed, but Lee has some spare time. So now we can do a podcast and we're back in your ears. So I feel like a brief update would be good because it's been months since we did this. So Amen, the last time I feel like you were on the podcast, you were preparing for your weightlifting competition. Yeah, and I did it. I did it. And that was in May. God, that was in May. Yeah. So yeah. I did it and I did all my lifts without any technical fault. So that was amazing. And well now done. I've entered into another one for December. So I'm training again for a second competition in December, which is like the worst timing um, in terms of Christmas parties, because <laughs> it's like December the 10th, which is peak. Christmas party season but I'm thinking about all the positiveness of on Christmas day I can eat whatever I want because I've been training so yeah so I did that one it was amazing and now I'm doing another one because I loved it so much do you have to eat a specific diet or be careful how much you're drinking when you're training yeah so you have to stick to certain calories and then certain amount of protein so alcohol is just empty calories it doesn't add anything and because you're lifting quite heavy weights you need the food um, Mm. rather than the alcohol so I I just basically have just cut out alcohol. It's the easiest way to do it mm-hmm. because then it's not me, it's people around you that go, oh, just have one, I'll have another. Whereas if I just go, no, then no, I don't feel people pressure me into drinking alcohol. Yeah, that makes sense. People can be really weird when it comes to alcohol consumption. I don't miss it, actually, to be fair. No, fair enough. Do, do you miss it, Gina? Because I know you don't drink either. No, I don't. It's empty. It's the devil. Devil's juice. I wasn't expecting that to go that way. Uh, the devil's poison. No, I don't. Um, but yeah, I actually do find it a bit easier to just be like, I don't drink at all, rather than moderating in society is a bit difficult. Yeah. But it's been like three years for me now, so don't even think about it. The only thing I say is there's not many non-alcoholic drink options. Yeah. And there's like there's only so much coke or juice you can drink. I, know. I like alcohol-free beers, but yeah, and so I can't drink that either. Uh, but then if you ask for a tea, like it seems like I love a herbal tea, so I'd happily nurse a like a green tea in an evening. I know what you mean. No one has that on offer, you know, at a bar. No, I've had like I've ordered like a coffee in a bar before. If they do espresso martinis, I'm like, can you just do me a coffee, please? Yeah, <laughs> but like I would just be happy to have like a herbal tea and do that. But th- there's not many places that do that. No, there isn't. I've got a herbal tea with me this evening. Very nice. Chin chin. <laughs> Gina you've had a massive life change since we were last on the pod yeah I moved to Liverpool and I became a student midwife so I've gone back to university to retrain as a midwife I'm like a month in yeah I'm enjoying it I'm very happy for you I'm disturbed by the creepy babies that you're practicing on though they're fake babies that makes me sound like a weird (laughs) they're breastfeeding pops but yeah there's lots of weird stuff that you have to practice on before you try them out try it out on real humans um which is quite funny including like 
supposedly lifelike models that give birth. Oh, but I really hope that that's not what real people look like. They've got some dodgy wigs on, <laughs> weird noises, and yeah, it's quite funny. But I really like it, and I'm enjoying Liverpool as well. Good. Liverpool's a great city. Yeah, and it's got Eurovision. <gasps> yeah, well, that's what I'll visit. Yes. So, as it is spooky season, we have chosen a Halloween classic to mm-hmm. review. Um, we are doing Scream from 1996. I've only ever seen this once before we did it for the pod. I was made to watch it when I was 18 by my uni friends, and I didn't want to watch it because I hated scary movies because I thought they'd be scary. And now I know they're just silly. But anyway, it was directed by Wes Craven, who also did Nightmare on Elm Street and the original Hills of Ice. There are a couple of women producing it, Kathy Conrand, Marianne Maddalena, and Harvey Weinstein, also one of the producers. So that's great. Nice to see his name popping up, producing all of these films. (laughs) (laughs) It's like he was super powerful. Yeah. (laughs) Every time I see his name, I'm like, oh... But anyway, there's not a lot we can do about that now. So going into the characters, one of the big things that I noticed about this film is it is super, super, super white. And the only person of colour I could see on IMDb was a black woman named Reporter with Mask. I don't even know who that was. Yeah, I was. Tra- I can't think of who... Where where would they be? Which scene? She was um, just one of the news reporters and she happened to be holding the ghost face mask. She was in it for like a couple of seconds and that was it. Wow. That's already a bit shit. We do have some women to discuss, um, some white women. We've got Casey played by Drew Barrymore, who um, is the, oh, spoilers, if anyone's not seen it, the woman at the start of the film who gets killed. She's um, also, you know, she's also like the main face on the poster. Yes. And they like kill her after, yeah, spoiler alert, about three minutes. Uh, we've also got Gail, played by Courtney Cox, who is the reporter trying to uncover what's going on. And then we have Monica Tatum. Friends, if anyone else yeah. didn't know. I did forget that. When it started, I was like, oh yeah, she's in Friends. <laughs> and then we've got Tatum, who is Sydney's friend. In the movie. Is that Brittany Murphy? Brittany Murphy's not in it. No, oh, it's not Brittany Murphy. It just looks a bit like her. What's her name? Rose McGowan from... Um... Yeah, that's it, Rose McGowan. Oh my God, Charmed. Yes, that was what she was from. Wasn't she the first one to blow the whistle on Harvey Weinstein? I think she was one of the first people to say something in the industry. Yeah, I think she definitely was. Yeah, 100%. I didn't recognise her at all. Because even though I went through the, the IMDb, I didn't clock that that was Rose McGowan. Wow, okay. That was good. I was paying attention. So those are our characters to discuss. I've just realised that I've not explained the film. And this is my least favourite part of the podcast because I'm not a succinct human being. But this film is about a man, we are led to believe, running around in this ghost face mask, um, stabbing people to death. Um, And he specifically has an interest in Sydney and is trying to kill her and then at the end you find out that it was her boyfriend all along not just her boyfriend it was also shaggy from scooby-doo who, who also i'm sorry his boyfriend is fit oh i know i googled him because i remember him i remember fancying him when i was younger yeah. and then when he yeah. came on i was like oh my god he is fit but he's really weird but he's fit and shaggy from scooby-doo is also one of the killers yeah and shaggy from scooby-doo is my favorite part of this movie i think 
<laughs> I didn't dislike it. I don't think it's one that'll be like, oh, I need to watch this at Halloween every it's a year. Shit film, but like, it's a good show. <laughs> oh well, I I was pleasantly surprised. Have you not? Like, I like it because it's quite shit. Because I watched it as a teenager, and then I haven't seen it again since. And I remember liking it at the time, but then I was like, oh, this is actually a lot better than I expected. I think because of all the parodies. Yeah, like, it's actually oh, takes it, the. I feel like it's a bit before its time in the sense that it yeah. takes the mick out of itself almost. Yeah, and then you genre. forget. Yeah, and then I forgot like how good it. I was expecting it to be really shit, but it's actually not bad. Yeah, I think Lee did say to me it is meant to be a parody of other Halloween films, though so it is meant to be a comedy. Is it? But then no, but then you have actually. What's that other? There's another franchise, isn't there, where it like does actually take the mick out of all them? Yeah. Um... Oh, scary movie. Scary movie. That's scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um have seen scary movie a lot and that was something we watched a lot as an adolescent and i did struggle watching scream not to just remember all of the spoof bits from scary movie um, that just kept popping into my head and i was like oh yeah because this is what happens in scary movie but silly i'll kind of want to rewatch that i think it's gonna be awful oh i couldn't stand it I, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay so i think very easy to tell that it does not pass the intersectional Bechdel test. In fact, I wrote in my notes, lol, no. <laughs> the female Bechdel test, it does pass. Um, Sydney and Tatum talk about Casey's murder. They also talk about a few other things, but that was the one I wrote down first as noticing it had passed. So that's good. That's always nice, particularly for a 90s movie. I guess we should get into talking about the film. Does anyone have anywhere they want to start? The first bit... I like the first bit and the phone call. I found it really funny. Would you be able to pass the quiz? Do you know, I was really proud of myself because I think I would have. And that is from Lee's horror education. Because when and I Lee would, have, Lee would have been able to pass the quiz. I think I got the answers right when I, I was like, oh, this is this. I'm pretty sure I got them right. What, was the, well what were the questions again? Well, I say I would have got it right. I think one of them was who was the killer in Friday the 13th. And she got it wrong. Yeah, I thought I would have said Jason, I would have died. What was really interesting is how flirty she was. Like, if a random person... You're not shaming her. No! No! <laughs> <laughs> you victim blaming her. No! She was asking I... for it. No, no. You're putting words <laughs> in my mouth, Gina. All I'm th- saying is, if a random person rang you... No, I know. I'd be like, fuck off. Yeah. I wrote that down in my notes too, but I guess if it's meant to be mocking what female victims are like in scary movies, maybe that's why. But I was like, why is she on the phone to him for so long? Why isn't she hung up and called the police? And why she's does she keep answering the, the phone? She's, she's, she's burning her popcorn, which is a waste. And I, I found her really irritating. But in hindsight, maybe that was the point. She's twiddling her hair. She's got a boyfriend and what she's doing. Maybe she just liked Mr Ghostface's boys you just hang up the phone and if they kept calling back I'd be like okay, I'm gonna call the police yeah why didn't she she's like threatening him like just ring the police and then he calls back and she's like oh and picks up the phone I was like you don't have to answer that you do not have to answer that phone but again I don't know if if they're intentionally making her over the top and annoying to mock women in horror films yeah I don't know and all all I could think when she was running across the lawn is the bit in scary movie where ghost face ghost face stabs her and comes away with her 
breast implant. Boob, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so I really struggled to watch that scene and not find it really funny thinking of scary movie. I've got quite a low brow humour. It's pretty like savage though when the parents are on the phone and like can hear her like being pulled yeah, away. Yeah. That was brutal. I did write down that she wasn't what she was wearing wasn't very sexualized. She it looks like she wasn't wearing makeup. Mm. Um and she just had like casual clothes on. So it, it that felt quite nice that she was just like having a night in, making some popcorn and she wasn't all made up looking. Um I don't think I have anything else to say about Casey. No, my next comment is Billy is fit, sorry. <laughs> I don't think I found him attractive. I think he's really fit. He looks there's a PT at the gym that looks just like him. I guess he's quite good looking. I'm going through his photos. I love that. What's, how do you say his real name's Skeet? Yeah, I think Skeet Ulrich. Skeet. Oh, he's in the craft as well. Yeah, yeah, he was a crush, wasn't he? I didn't enjoy the craft. I loved it, but then I watched it when I was a teenager and then I decided I wanted to become a witch. So I was in a different headspace back then. I only saw it for the first time this year and I wasn't bothered by it. Mm. Anyway, moving on to uh, Ski Ulrich playing Billy. Obviously, he is the bad guy in this, but he's an awful boyfriend slash person mm. outside of the murder. Um, I think I wrote down some of his quotes saying, so he's trying to convince Yeah, he's super Sydney, manipulative. Yeah, to sleep with yeah yeah and says things like i wouldn't dream of breaking your underwear rule Mm. oh you see what you do to me i didn't like that no i know and then i think she's like oh you know what my dad would do to you and it just it made me really sad yeah because there's a bit where she's apologizing for her trauma like her mom was raped and murdered and she was like oh i know i'm a loser and i can't get over my mom's death and or she said yeah Mm. and she said she called herself sexually anorexic yeah and it's just it was awful yeah because I think at one point doesn't he say to her like it's been a year when are you going to get over this yeah 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 yeah. I'm like fucking hell chill out I feel like a like cat died but then at the same time there's a lot of slut shaming about her mum yeah there was Mm. I didn't really like that and I didn't really get that part of the story to be honest like I didn't maybe jumping ahead a bit but I don't really get the whole story arc that whole thing like what was what was the mum doing she was having an affair with, with billy's dad dad yeah okay and that's why billy went on this rampage bit much oh because it broke up their marriage his dad left so he then murdered her all right normal reaction also like sydney wasn't setting that up she had nothing to do with that in a weird way his mum's her mom's death makes sense, right? Because there's motive. There's a motive. But what didn't make sense is why then he had to kill Drew Barrymore and everyone else. Yeah. Not Drew. <laughs> oh, did they just say that they got used to get like they got used to it and they got carried away? I don't know. I I, I think when it got to the point, I've not got many notes from right at the end and Although I did write down that Billy said, we did your mum a favour, she was a slut by a whore. <laughs> and I was like, just pause that while I write that down. That's a note <laughs> I want to remember. I, I don't know. Maybe they did just enjoy it. I can't remember. It obviously didn't stick with me that well. I also wrote down that the cheerleader, um, Sydney overheard them in the toilet saying, maybe she's a slut just like her mother. Oh, yeah, that was the no, other thing. Mm-hmm. That women not believing women. So are they calling her attention-seeking? Because she said Ghostface has 
had attacked her at that point. And I think people were calling her attention seeking, or these girls were calling her attention seeking, which is shitty. Okay, one thing, if you girls remember it, is why does the principal touch Sydney's face? Yes, I wrote that down. That <laughs> hey, why is he so weird? weird? And what, what was his ad, what was his pervy yeah. ways adding to the story whatsoever? Like he like caressed her face. He's like, are you okay? No one said anything or did anything or reacted. (laughs) I don't remember that bit. It was right at the beginning, wasn't it? After the Drew Barryman was murdered, because I think they they thought it was going to be triggering. Mm. Oh, yeah. Was that when they had the police round at the school? Yeah. To chat to her. Featuring David Arquette. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't remember. This film has not stuck with me very well. Like, other than the notes I've written down, it's starting to come back to me. Going back to Billy being an awful person, um, so she suspects Billy of being the killer at one point, and he gets arrested. Um, and he says to her, I have a girlfriend who would rather accuse me of being a psychopath killer than touch me. And again, I was like, please stop manipulating her into having sex with you. Yeah. And also, you are a psychopath killer. Yeah. So stop gaslighting her. You are sort of. I did enjoy at the end, well, not at the end, but before Tatum dies, I think um, her and Sydney are having a chat and that's when Sydney says how many guys would part up with girlfriend who's sexually anorexic and is excusing his behaviour because he's he's been so nice and been okay with them not having sex. And Tatum says, Billy's penis doesn't deserve you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Tatum knows what's up. Billy's penis does not deserve you. Don't have sex with him. Mm. He's a waste of your time and space. Yeah, he was an underrated hun. Yeah. And all, I, I felt sad for her death. She had the, like, grisliest death. Was she it did. Did her own boyfriend tell her? Or was that Billy? Because they're both in on it together, so... I don't know. Because she was, she was dating Shaggy, wasn't she? Otherwise known as Stu. I also wrote down that she has very obvious nips when she's being murdered. What do you mean? I didn't know. Like, you could see her nipples through her top and she obviously had big boobs. And it's the only time in the film I noticed obvious nipples. I was like, this, I don't mind nipples being present in any way, but it does take me back to watching Halloween and how every female character that's killed for some reason has their tits out in a really convoluted way that doesn't make sense. And I was like, I don't know whether that was there as a... I don't know. I was just like, do we need to see her nipples when she's getting killed? Because she was a lot sexier, I felt like, than Sydney. He seemed a lot more like the classic horror movie, last girl, virgin archetype, who's innocent and virginal Mm. and gets to survive, whereas the ones who are kind of sexy never get to survive. Well, they say that, though, don't they? Like, in the, don't have sex, otherwise you'll get killed. Yeah, yeah. Yes, they do. I also enjoyed that Tatum says to Mr. Ghostface, no, don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. Oh, yeah. Also, she fought back against Ghostface. And yeah, she did. So she did try <laughs> not to be murdered. Not that I think there's a right way to respond to someone trying to kill you, but it was nice to see her fight back rather than just accept scream. It. Yeah, and accept it and play around. I liked um, Gail, though. Courtney Cox's character. Did you? Yeah, I thought she was funny. And I wrote here, like, what she said to... I Was it... 
Sydney, I think she, she says to her, how does it feel to be almost brutally butchered? People want to know they have a right to know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's literally like what paparazzis are like these days. They have a right to know. <laughs> she was so pushy with Sydney about her mum's death. And because I think she believed that the person convicted of her mum's death had been wrongfully convicted yeah, and yeah. Sydney's testimony that had got him convicted which kind of was true right yeah she was right in the end it was the boyfriend um but she was really she seemed very nasty to Sydney bearing in mind Sydney had gone through an awful trauma I mean obviously she wanted because I I can't remember whether that person was on death row he's definitely in for life he was on it was like a permanent thing I did thoroughly enjoy Sydney punching girl that was very satisfying so I was like girl is being a dick (laughs) my opinion Gail was also quite fatphobic to her, the guy helping her out, Kenny. So yeah, a I wrote where, that down. Yeah. It, what did she say? Well, one of the quotes I put is, I know you're 50 pounds of weight, move that fat tub of lard ass now. And then later on, he's like, oh, are there any more donuts in here? And they've just portrayed him as being like fat and dumb. Aww. Well, if you miss a, from a body diversity point of view, like everyone was skinny. Yeah. Yeah, they were really skinny. Poor Kenny. I also wrote down, <laughs> has nothing to do with Gail or weight. But I think maybe it's Gail speaking, says, what are you doing with a cellular device? Oh, I know. It's the police questioning um, Billy. And like, what are you doing with a cellular device? I was like, I like that they're like, this is suspicious behaviour. You have a cell phone on you. Not even a cell phone, a cellular device. I enjoyed that. I felt like it appropriately aged the movie. <laughs> I know. You wouldn't be able to make that now, would you? No. No, because you'd be like, because I... Um, Sydney suspects Billy because he drops a phone and she's like, oh, you could have been calling me. Whereas now you're like, oh, you've dropped your phone. Could and be anyone. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if there were, I think that was the only reason she does suspect him, right? That he turns up at her house and then the phone falls out of his pocket. But wasn't there a mask? Or... I don't think there was a mask. Didn't someone say we've just found this outside? Oh, they did find it out in the garden. Yeah. Yeah. They did. Well, I loved how no one took anything seriously. So the fact that this was happening the next day, everyone in the school had them on, like, and was taking the piss. Oh, yeah. Another good thing about Gail, I liked that she got to shoot Billy at the end. Mm. Well, it's always the women that... Women tend to be the saviours. Yeah. In horror movies. Yeah, they save the day, don't they? There were a lot of, like, women in this film, as in, like... I don't know, strong might be a stretch, but... I don't know whether any of them are stuck with me. But they had, like, lots of positive attributes that weren't necessarily, like, sexualized for the film of its time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because Neve Campbell's character, Sydney, still... She didn't take any shit from, like, I was pressuring her. But you're right, that's kind of quite common, I guess, for the horror genre. Yeah. Um, I did like it when Sydney said horror movies are just men chasing big-breasted women who run up the stairs instead of going outside. And I think Lee points out she then does run up the stairs instead of going outside. (laughs) But I have found watching a lot of, not all old horror movies, I don't think it's fair to say that all horror movies are like that, but Halloween in particular, I was just, I was like, this is Mm. ridiculous. There's no reason for these women to be naked while they're being make They do make reference to it, because the guys are watching Halloween, aren't Mm. they? And they're like, oh, tit shot and... They're, like, cheering. Yeah, Stu says, oh, when do we get to see Jamie Lee's breasts? Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, you don't ever see them because she doesn't die and she's the virginal 
good character who doesn't get killed. But yeah, I did notice that. Yeah, they do point that out, don't they? And I know in um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I also didn't fully enjoy, I don't think the main woman in it gets her tits out, but she's running through the woods and screaming her head off. And granted, she's being chased by someone with a chainsaw, but I was like, if you were just quiet, he could not hear you over the noise of the chainsaw. Yeah, but have you ever tried to be really quiet when you're really scared? It's actually quite hard. No, I haven't, but I... I don't think I have either, but like, actually, the, the most I can compare it to is when you're playing like hide and seek when you're younger and you're actually like shitting yourself and you're hiding in a cupboard. And it's actually like really hard to stay quiet and not like heavy breathing. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And I, I, I don't know how I'd react either, to be fair. It was just annoying watching her running and just screaming nonstop. And I was like, please, please make this end. Please kill her and make it stop. <laughs> I'm so annoyed. So there are a lot of women in horror films that I've really enjoyed. Mm. Yeah, I know what you mean. Lots of cliches, which is kind of what it does in the film. That's why I quite like this film. I think it's quite before its time. It's not revolutionary, but I do quite like it. Yeah, the more I'm going through it, the more I'm like, there are a lot of really fun references, like Tatum saying, oh, I want to be in the sequel, don't kill me. That's really fun. I did also enjoy that Randy, the movie buff was explaining about how only virgins can defeat the killer in horror movies as Sydney was having sex with Billy and losing yeah. her virginity which made me so sad when she was like oh Billy it's time and he was like oh my god really and I was like no no I know but also it's, it's so unsurprising that as women we grow up thinking that we have to behave a certain way when it comes to sex and thinking that if we don't give sex to men, they're not going to be interested in us and they're going to leave us. Because you feel like that's your currency. And everyone always, and like, even, I think, like, there's this whole thing about everyone has sex all the time, you know, and what's normal in a relationship. And it's just like, what's normal is what you make normal. But this whole focus on having sex, it's just really unrealistic as well. Yeah, and also that it's the guy pushing the woman yeah. into having sex and her refusing and gatekeeping this precious thing. Not long after we watched Scream, we watched the original um, Fright Night, which is great, would highly recommend. But the two, the main character um, is trying to get his girlfriend to have sex with him. And it's the same thing where she's like, no, I'm not ready yet. Like, I'm not going to do this yet. And it's not... I don't think they push it as much, but I think it's the same thing where she's like, oh, I think I'm ready now. I think it's time. And I'm like, oh, God, no, why do I have such like a complex around sex where I'm like, oh, if I'm not providing sex all the time, this person might leave me because I'm not giving them what they need. But then it also comes down to the expectation from the guy as well. They mm. have it in their head that they should be able to have it when they want it. And if you can't yeah. give it to them, then there's something wrong with you. And also that they should push for it as well and not accept them saying, no, I don't want this. And then watching those two movies back to back, I was like, there's no wonder because they're both of those boyfriends are being unpleasant to their girlfriends because they're not providing sex. And then they're calling the mum a slut because she has had sex in the wrong way. Sex is used against women and weaponized when it suits men. Which is why women withhold it. Yeah, yeah. 
or they don't not withhold it but the whole thing about like don't do it straight don't give it up too easily like what the fuck is that that's so dumb but then if someone thinks you're easy then they think it's okay to rape you like yeah yeah or they'll just be like oh well I've, i've got this now i'm not interested anymore we know that it's weaponized. That's why we use it as like, yeah, currency. What was I reading something recently to do with trying to have sex with? Oh, I finally read where the crawdads sing. It's that's like not. It's like a fine book. It's not. Everyone loved it. I didn't love it. I thought it was so average. <laughs> I did really love it. <laughs> but I, I was just thinking about the. The kind the guy who gets killed talking about wanting to be the first one to get her virginity and that she's so wild and wanting to tame like the swamp woman or whatever they called her, swamp girl. What is this thing about being the first one and like I know taking someone's virginity? Because I think I've said this before on the podcast that the idea there is absolutely nothing wrong with anyone being a virgin at any age. But I would not be excited if a guy was like, oh, I'm a virgin. You're going to be my first. I wouldn't be like, oh, my God, that's so hot. I'd be like, okay. If anything, I'd hate the pressure because I'd be like, oh. I was scared to say that in case people thought I'd be mean. But also I'd be like, this, yeah, I don't like the pressure. And also you're going to be super inexperienced. And a lot of men who've had a lot of sex are super shit at sex. And I don't want to have to teach you. Yeah, it's true. We're going to start somewhere. Yeah, it's just the opposite of exciting, the idea of someone being a virgin. Yeah, I just don't get it. I just don't understand it. And then also, like, you know, in war-torn areas, why men think it's okay, like, it's a punishment to go and rape women. I just don't Mm -hmm. get it. I don't understand when sex became this or why it became this thing. So Naomi Wolf has a book called Vagina, the new biography, I think it's called, that talks about that. And she talks about the psychological impact that it has when you're being raped and that when you're using that as a weapon in war, by raping women, you're essentially psychologically breaking them and they're not able to. It's almost like you're, this is a horrible analogy, but like you're breaking in a horse. It's that kind of thing where like you're breaking that spirit where you're not able to fight back anymore because you're so traumatized that was a really good book I got a lot took a lot away from that book it made me very sad yeah I can Um, imagine she also talks about how making jokes about rape and about being dismissive of just even jokes where you're like taking the piss out the like smell of a vagina or the look of it or something like that can be psychologically damaging to people with vaginas because something to do with the physiological connection and also the knowledge of the fact that sex is used as a weapon against women and that I can't explain it in the same way that she did but it was really interesting that she was saying she's been in experiences where people have made jokes about vaginas that have been unpleasant and violent and that she feels scared when those jokes are made and and I was like she's not wrong like those jokes they do have a physical impact. Like, what's the aim of those things? Like, what is someone trying to achieve by, like, making those comments? Yeah. There's, like, an aim with that, isn't it? It's, like, the jokes that women have about penises is, like, I don't know, are they really jokes? It'll probably be about, like, it being big or something. Like, it's more, and that, even that's, like, feeding into, like, masculinity. It's, we're not, whereas jokes about 
the other way around it's not really like what they're trying to achieve by debilitating and like minimizing people and stuff like that and making jokes about the scent and which can feel very shaming well it's literally like inside your body like it's gonna have a smell like it'd be weird if it didn't i do think that has something to do with it as well that it's like external people with penises is like they're very different for us it's like inside yeah yeah quite like more i don't know more intimate i don't know Mm. it's just covered always covered up more like at school and things like that it's a different it's completely different i agree we we really went on a tangent about yeah um this which is fine that's i think the point of the podcast sometimes to be like this is kind of sad that this is being reflected again in a movie i liked um dewey is he he might be an ally (laughs) <laughs> I can't I keep mixing him up with the scary movie Dewey who was the killer in scary movie I think so I can't I felt sad that Gail was clearly trying to use him to get information and that he was like oh this attractive woman's interested in me I'm gonna share all of these police secrets with her <laughs> I was like oh Dewey bless your heart there was a lot of just flirting and women flirting and easily distracting men. Yeah. Mm. And just how fickle men are. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that's realistic? Some men, maybe. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I know mum has definitely flirted her way out of a parking ticket before, or like a speeding fine, rather, and played it being like the dumb woman. He's like, God, I know it here. Oh. I mean, I can't even flirt like when I'm meant to, so... <laughs> <laughs> romantic situation so I don't really think I can just turn it on in like whenever I think of me flirting I don't know if either of you have seen the house bunny you know there's a bit where um Anna Faris is trying to get is trying to coach the characters in the pub and she gets one of them to go up to this group of men and her opening line is something about how she's just taken a massive shit or something like that and all these men are like what are you talking about? <laughs> and I'm always like, I think that's me if I'm trying to flirt or I'm like, this has not gone well in yeah. any way at all. But I know on The Guilty Feminist, Deborah Francis White has always talked about how often if you feel unsafe as a woman in a situation, you'll use that as to try and keep yourself safe. It's just instead of fighting back and getting annoyed, sometimes it feels safer just to be like, oh yeah, ha like I think she's talked about being in a taxi where she felt quite unsafe and just played at being kind of a bit dumb and flirty because she was like I'm a bit worried about what could happen if I'm not nice to this man that's awful isn't it yeah it is awful I mean obviously what Gail is doing is completely different and also like she's she's trying to do her job so I don't begrudge her it at all I did I was like Dewey come on but sometimes to be taken seriously like to even get a seat at the table, you might need to kind of just use what's in your arsenal if you're not going to get it in any other way. Do you know what I mean? She's like a journal- female journalist, just like tearing shit up. She gets up a good story, doesn't she? And I do think it's on him that he's then... Because like he shouldn't... I think there was a bit where he was saying, talking about suspects or something, and then bringing her along to look for the suspect's vehicle. I was like, you are not doing your job well yeah. if you're bringing her along for that. That is on you. Um, I the only other thing I wanted to say briefly is that apparently Billy and Stu have a queer coded relationship, and it has been confirmed. What does that mean by queer coded? So that 
you could watch it and think that they're a couple or in a relationship, but that never fully forms. So there's a thing called queer baiting that happens. Um, I think the example I can think of is Once Upon a Time, where you keep thinking these two characters are going to get together and then they don't. And TV shows will often put it in to keep queer audiences watching because you're like, oh my God, maybe it's going to happen. But then they don't actually want a gay relationship because of ratings and stuff. I don't know how common it is now. Um, and I don't think this was queer baiting, but they were based on a real life serial killer couple who were gay. So, and I, I think the actors have said that they were aware of that and were playing to that. So it was an intentional thing. I didn't really pick up on it, but yeah, apparently I, it's been yeah, fan theory for it, years. I have heard like this point where before that stabbing's like a very erotic act very sexual thing i've not heard that before either because it's quite like visceral and phallic and yeah visceral and like intimate you have to get up and close with someone to stab them as well it's not like with a gun when you can be away from the person and unless you're standing is probably more sexual this is a weird direction (laughs) i need to look this up to make the point better than me Going back to your original point, I did not pick up on this. Um, I just thought it was a bit of a bromance, like two kindred spirits. Because how would that conversation have even happened? You know, like, are you okay if we murder someone? (laughs) Yeah, I would love to have seen them starting out on that and how they both realised they were into this. But maybe it was one of those things where we're both egging each other on and then they actually did it and were like, oh... Right. Unless cool. Billy did it first and then told Shaggy yeah. about the mum and then it went from there. Yeah. It's called Peekerism, the mainly male perversion which is defined on paraphilic sexual arousal which hinges on the sadistic piercing and stabbing of another person, especially in the breast, buttocks and groin, which may cause enough bleeding to be fatal. Oh, my God. Basically, they want to stab you in your boob and your bum and your groin. Right. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> Maybe they're that. Maybe. Peekerism. How do people discover this? Well, that they're into it. Yeah. That's a, a good question. To be fair, I was listening to this podcast. It's like not, it's just a random podcast. And someone had written oh, in. not a competitor. Um, no, 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 no. Just a random one. And someone had written in about her husband. Like they have confessionals. And she said while she was in labour, her oh. husband was getting turned on. Oh, I think I've heard about that. But that was really, like, random, because why? What what about that is turning you on? So I suppose maybe someone had accidentally, like, stabbed themselves and then the other person's going, oh, like, yeah. yeah, like, actually, that's turning me on. Do that again. <laughs> yeah, that was the last thing I wanted to say, is just to note the queer-coded relationship they have. Yeah, I missed that bit completely then. Same. There was one thing that they said, which I thought was quite, it was anti-gay. They called someone a pansy. That was the only thing that that was like anti-gay. Oh, yeah, pansy-ass. But I don't know if that is a, is that a slur? I don't know. I don't know about, I don't know, because I always feel like... Was pansy-ass a slur? Well, I don't know, because, like, aren't gay, like, don't people think... Say it as like an insult to people that are gay. Oh like no. 
It does. Uh, I've Googled pansy slur and it does say extremely disparaging and offensive, a contemptuous term used to refer to a gay yeah. man. Okay, well, I need to stop calling myself a pansy then. I won't be using that again. I know, because in... So, this is awful. I call myself a pansy quite a lot to me when I'm being, like, um, you silly a bit of a <laughs> But in my head, it's because a pansy is a flower and it's not very strong. Yeah, yeah. That's the connection I've made in my head. And, obviously, that's been taken to mean... Oh, the simplest explanation is essentially that a pansy is a delicate flower. And so in the 1920s, anyway, to call a man a delicate flower was to call him effeminate. And that must have been taken then. Yeah, that's where I thought. Against gay people. Rating. I think the intersectional side is a big zero. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Um, Out of five for the female side. (laughs) A three? I think three. Yeah, three. Because like... They're strong in a way, but then also they've been written in a way that's not empowering. Yeah, I wouldn't say they're the most amazing characters in the world, but they're definitely better than a lot of other characters we've reviewed and seen. So Scream gets three out of ten, which is pretty poor, but not unexpected. Thank you very much to Gina and Amon for joining me today to review Scream. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks. You are welcome. Don't know why I'm saying you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you also to Lee for doing all the artwork and editing and producing of the show. Thank you to me for sitting and watching the film and making notes and then doing all the social stuff and being the lead. Good job for that. We'll be back in your ears in a month's time where we'll be reviewing Clueless. But until then, bye. Bye. Bye.